Summit 40. We are back with another week of waiting for our new house. Uh, this is our first time at 40. My name is Nicholas. I'm here as always with my wife, Laura. Oh, hello. <laughs> we we, uh, we are... my wine for a second. Sorry. <laughs> we are first time home buyers uh, in our middle-aged uh, portion of our life. And we are chronicling that story week by week. And this, uh, to catch you up to speed, is the episode or string of episodes where we've purchased a house but are not yet moving in because the Previous owners were contingent, which means that they uh, had to sell the house before they bought their next house, which they are currently in the process of doing. So we sit here, twiddle our thumbs, pretend to pack, and <laughs> got some boxes in the corner. Hope and 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 also just sit and do math every day and panic. Uh, yeah. That's that's where I'm at right now. How about you? How are you feeling now that we're uh, inching closer towards moving into the new house? I'm just completely in a state of denial at this point. I'm doing no math. I'm not thinking about it. There are boxes sitting here, which I look at. Empty empty boxes that have not uh-huh. yet been like nope. unfolded. Yep. They're bundled in the corner. They look I, really nice, really I kinda, organized. I cut a zip tie. I mean, I guess I took one out, but yep. No, I'm not thinking about the financials or doing math because I just am denying that there's anything to think about there well since there's nothing to think about Mm -hmm. we'll spend a few minutes thinking about those things that we've pushed out of our minds uh and also coming up later that we've got a very first uh uh, we've got a first for our first time at 40 which is an interview with some friends of ours who uh were in a similar situation a few years ago um so steve and stephanie are longtime friends and we spent some time talking to them about their experiences uh, out in New York, over on the East Coast, what it was like for them. Uh, and it's pretty, turned out to be pretty fun. You mm-hmm. know, maybe it will be the first in a series of interviews. Who knows? We'll see what the audience thinks. Right. <laughs> right. We'll see what the audience thinks. We're basically just going to interview our audience over the course of a couple <laughs> of weeks. Oh, we don't even have a lot of interviews then. Oh, no. <laughs> uh. So before we get into that, though, I I am curious uh, on your your feelings of this moving situation, packing situation, and where you are at mentally, because we really haven't started. No. And that will be something that we'll have to talk about over the coming weeks, because it will have to ramp up. So where are you at? We are exactly at a one-month countdown until moving truck day, as of today, Correct. actually. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm confused completely overwhelmed completely avoiding it the end i don't know i don't know how to start i don't know how to dive in we have a couple boxes that we did and i weeded out some stuff but i feel overwhelmed so what is your strategy i don't know (laughs) do i need a strategy i have no strategy i have no game plan i have no approach i my mind has not gotten to that stage yet because it has seemed like it's so far off and now that we're ticking down we're at a month that doesn't sound that still sounds like a long time I guess it is so that's why I'm avoiding it I'm also I mean I'm good under pressure so I feel like generally my strategy is to wait a little bit on things and then like when you get in gear when you really need to get in gear 
that wouldn't be the preferable way to do it. We do have time. We have the luxury. We should do it. But I also don't know what to do. Right. So honestly, pressure is your motivator. Yeah. Without pressure, there's no need to even start. No need. There's logically it would be better. We have busy jobs. We have little kids. We have a lot of stuff. So it would be better if we just did a little every day. Of course. Here's my feeling on it is, yes, it would be good to do it every day. Also, when you're trying to live day to day for a month, what can you put away for a month? Yeah. Not many things. I mean, I'm sure we could go around and find things here and there that we could live without for a month. There's lots of things that we could do. Most of those things, though, we could probably donate. Yeah. (laughs) You know, it's like if we're not using it for a month, we probably don't need it. Maybe that's our strategy. Maybe we need to just put boxes in the garage and then kick them to the curb when we go. Maybe yeah. that's our strategy. Yeah. I think that that is very true. It's it's hard to just pack stuff up when you're trying to actually live day to day. It's not like we have an opportunity to move and we're taking a few weeks mm-hmm. off. We're going to be moving in the middle of school and work and there's no real break here. No. So I think that's part of it. And also, I know that you can pack not you, just in general, one can pack quickly. You can, obviously. So, people do it all the time. So you can. That's yes. why I'm also not all that worried yeah. about it because I know, like, and it's kind of like what you're saying is, you know, when a push comes to shove, we'll just do it. So why do we need to stress about it? I guess it's just adding one more thing to our list of, you know, this pile of empty boxes. Oh, we can get stressed out about that. <laughs> we were stressed out about buying a home. Now let's figure out a way to stress out about packing. Sure. Great. Sure. And I think like, I mean, I don't know, we could go around and start taking down pictures, but like who wants to be in a house that's getting naked with your no stuff on the wall? Like we don't have to do that right now. I don't know. It feels weird. Agreed. I I think the packing thing is, you know, packing six weeks ahead isn't all that realistic or that necessary. So I'm not too worried. Okay. Well, good to know. I think the, Mm, the one other thing that I would say in that direction is there's a difference between just like putting all your stuff in boxes and taking it over, right? Mm-hmm. Or strategically taking over what you want to actually take with you into your new life at your new house. Weeding. So weeding, which is a big, long process. And I also, it is. we all know if we've known me, which you have, <laughs> nobody here has, not good at that. So... That is an overwhelming process to me because it's like everywhere I look, like there's the closet, there's the kids' game room, there's the, you know, couple of cabinets in the corner with kids' stuff. Like none of that is appealing to me to just do and weed. I'm not, I'm not good at it. Right. So also avoiding the weeding process. An interesting thing about moving too is because, you know, this is space wise, this is if it's not a lateral move, it's even slightly less space. And something about moving is that your new place isn't going to have the same setup as your old place. So when it comes mm-hmm. to storage, like maybe we, we don't won't. have any idea. Exactly. Yeah. So you will have to weed, but sometimes you don't know where you have to That's weed. That's a very good point. And it's hard. And we don't know. Like we've said before, it is very wild. We bought this house. We spent all of our money we spent you know time thinking about it for a long time we've only been in that house maybe 15 or 20 minutes i don't know what kind of cabinets 
I can fit stuff into yet because right. also the owners were still living there when we were there. It was not empty. So it's a very, we haven't even seen the house without their stuff yet. So we have no idea how our current furniture, how our stuff's going to fit. Um, you know, with the 15 minutes that we had to try to assess that while their stuff was still there. And we, we haven't like, and by the way, every time we've been over there, they were home. So we haven't been able to like snoop peek in to the little corner door, you know, and really get a good feel for it. So that, yeah. Yeah. I think we're going to discover a lot of unexpected space issues um, for good or for bad. I mean, I think it just is something that you just figure out and live with and it's not really like that big of a deal. So you don't have, you know, 50 board games. We only used five of them anyway, you know, like, and that, that's just an example of Mm -hmm. various little niches. We definitely have extra. We're going to have to figure out, pare down and and who knows, maybe there'll be something else where we have all kinds of space for, I don't even know what it is. Outdoor stuff. Yeah. Um, so, you know, we're just kind of have to mold like a blob into this new place. <laughs> we'll fit into some places and not fit into other places that we used to. So um, it's going to be it's going to be really interesting to see how we transition. The other um, the other thing about moving, which we weren't really thinking about or I wasn't thinking about, but apparently and of course, of course, being in Los Angeles where everything is competitive. Um, apparently, it's not that easy to get a mover. No. Great. Who knew? But luckily, we got the heads up from the, the people we bought the house from because they are moving into their new house. And she was like, oh, you have your moving truck all set? I was like, no, you know, we're not moving for another. We're not going to do the moving truck day for another like six weeks. She's like, oh, <laughs> we perked up. Oh, well, yeah, all the all the moving companies are really, really, really booked right now. Why are so Who many knew? people moving right now in the middle of the end of the pandemic? Everybody had a terrible, supposedly, economic year last year. Yeah. You can't buy a house if you want to. There's 30 bids on every house. It's going for crazy money. And all the moving companies are booked. How? What is going on? But when I you really... think about it, it does make sense. Well, two, two things. One, it does make sense because obviously people are very motivated to move right now because we can see by the market that yeah. it's a feeding frenzy. And yeah, that spills over to these movers. Also, there was probably, like a lot of businesses, a period of time where there wasn't a whole lot of moving happening. So there's a backlog. And it bottlenecked. Yeah. And now it's, everyone's like, oh, I wanted to move six months ago. Yeah. I couldn't, and now I'm moving. Also, over the course of the pandemic, I work with mm, 30 people mm-hmm. or so regularly, I mean, close contact with. A high percentage of those people have moved. That's a good point. It has been a hot time to move. I'm not sure. I think but like it's, out of the big cities is the thing. That yeah, these I people feel are like all moving within the city. What, Some moved out. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah. I feel like a lot of people are moving out, but okay. I think, though, a lot of people just reassess their space, you know, and and all of a sudden they were like, oh, I I can only live in this. I can only be in the studio apartment. No, it's not going to work. Yeah. You know, everybody just got tired of where they've been looking at for a year is what happened. So they're just trading spaces. It's a massive psychological. Yeah. That happened to you for sure. For everybody. Yeah. Um, Yeah, that is crazy. So in addition to movers evidently being booked but we were lucky we got one on the on we we wanted to move on a saturday and they had availability on a saturday but not on any other day that week Mm. which is interesting so at least we got 
them booked. And apparently it's more expensive on a Saturday. But not much, like $10 an hour more expensive. Right. But I wonder if that's why, you know, people had an option of paying more or less and they opted to pay less. We don't like to do that. No. Give me the max. (laughs) (laughs) Nope. But I mean, literally it's $10 an hour more. It's not. You know, even if they're eight hours, that's less than a light costs, you know. Right. Fine. So that's good. A recessed light. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Fancy light that we can't afford. Okay. So (laughs) what else is I going to say? Oh, the movers. All right. So there are a lot of other backlogs going on. You just mentioned we have found out because there's been construction done on our place, like the construction people are all really hard to get right now, unless it is a like some big job. Like if you just want somebody to come over and do a little bit of something at your place, not going to happen because there's a huge backlog of construction. So they're only taking the really big jobs. They're all very busy. They, no one answers their phones. And if you have a little something, it's not worth their time. So we found that out in a few different ways through the past few months, but now... Luckily, though, for the repairs that we need for our house, we seem to be booked for an electrician and a general contractor. So that's good. You know, I'm knocking on wood. We'll see. But in addition to the shortage of labor, did you know there's a shortage of lumber? Have you? I think I have heard heard this. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So there's other things that we're wanting to do, such as build shelves, build benches, do other things, and. That's also evidently the worst time in history to do anything like that as well. So, is it because there, there's down. a run on it? Is that why? There's a run on it, and there have been, um, I mean, essentially, you know, supply chain um, backups because, you know, factories all shut down. So, anything that's processing things, including wood, and then shipping wood across the world from other countries or through the Panama Canal, which was stopped up for the last month. Um, all, ooh, all those things have not leveled out yet. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Well, sure. I mean, why not? Why not make why not? everything just the worst time to do whatever it yep. is as we're doing it? I mean, we. I feel like that's our that's our motto. If ever there was one, like we like to do things at the worst possible. Apparently when everyone else is also doing them, Mm -hmm. you know, there's a word for that, which I think is basic. (laughs) And that seems to be how we make decisions. (laughs) Just, you know, when everybody else makes that same decision and whatever, fine. Um, the move is pending. It's, it's uh it's gonna be fine i think it's gonna be actually maybe a little bit fun another thing that i've been thinking about um i'm glad you recorded that yeah i think it'll be fun great you know it's gonna feel different i think it's gonna feel different moving into a space that you that is yours oh i thought you meant the move itself no but i think it's all gonna have a different feeling i think up until now you know into my 40s every single space i've ever inhabited has been has belonged to someone else i've you know it's it's kind of like um you know when you when you get a new car or something and that space inside your car is your own and i think i've never had that feeling in the actual mm-hmm. dwelling in the house and i i have a feeling that it's going to feel um different yeah and so I'm excited about that. And I, I, I really am excited about that feeling. And I hope that it lives up to my, uh, you know, my my prediction. 
so we'll see. Yeah, that's exciting. Um, also, it's so it's so funny how in this in between stage, the house seems like a concept as opposed to a real thing, and very soon it is going to be a real yeah, thing. Yeah, it feels completely conceptual. I agree. That's it's out there somewhere. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. Yep. Oh, I was going to say, I haven't even talked to you yet about this, but I had a chat with a couple of friends today on Zoom, kind of girls catch up. They're really, really close friends. One was in our wedding, um, but they don't live by us. One's in Portland, one's in the middle of the country. Um, And it was the first time they knew that we bought a house, but no details. So this was the first time to really talk about it. Okay. And of course, they asked the address so they could update their... Oh, no. mailing lists and of course they both immediately googled it so this is the first time in real time they went holy did you just pay that much money oh no for a house <laughs> so that was like my first encounter with that and i mean like we're very close and we were all laughing about it but it's shocking so you said to your feeling of doing a lot of math how are you feeling on the financial front right now uh, I'm just trying, I mean, like, obviously we got over the down payment, um, uh, closing costs and all that hump, which is a massive, um, achievement. You know, that, that's really the thing that, that should stop you from doing it. Uh, so now I'm just kind of thinking about, uh, it's not even that we can't do it. I know that we can do this monthly mortgage payment, which is significant. It's just going to require us to change our lifestyle and i don't think we need to change our lifestyle necessarily dramatically but up until now because we have had a comfortable rent and you know our income is what it is until now we've been able to just kind of do things Mm willy-nilly you know i've I've, you know you've been able to do things with uh, or on a whim or without really thinking about any financial repercussions. I mean, just ridiculous things, you know, even not, I mean, not that it's ridiculous, but like buying a new computer wasn't that big a deal, mm-hmm. you know, just give it when you need it and don't think about it. And I think now those types of financial decisions will need to be measured, um, which is fine. It's just a different way of looking mm-hmm. at things. So I'm not, I'm not really worried about whether or not we can do it. I'm more worried about it's like going on a diet. Like you just need yeah. to get used to it. Yeah. And then once you get it's used to it, comparison. it's not that hard. You know, mm-hmm. like once you kind of get committed, um, because you're committed, it motivates you to keep doing it. Yeah, that's a good comparison, actually. Mm-hmm. So I, I just think that's kind of where I'm kind of spinning my, not spinning my wheels, but I'm just gearing up to get mm-hmm. into that mindset. And I, I'm kind of there. I'm kind of there. And we had a good year of prep, I feel like. Um you know, just being shut inside the house and everything shut down. Um, so we know we can go a year without going out to that's eat. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> so we're kind of not by choice, but we we were in the training period. Yeah. Right. It's funny, though, you mentioned because this is something else I wrote down to talk about this week, um, which is the concept of shame. And I was thinking about two different types of shame. One is renter's shame, which is something that I, I think is ridiculous, and it, but it was always in the back of my mind where I felt like I didn't really belong. And this is not correct. I'm not saying this is right, um, and I'm not even saying that maybe anybody else feels this way, but in my head, it was always like, well, I'm just renting. 
you know, I can't complain about the construction or I can't complain about people doing a certain thing because I'm just renting. I don't own anything. Mm -hmm. I'm not here permanently necessarily. You know, I don't even really, this is me again. This is not real, but I didn't feel like a citizen or something. You know, I just felt like a, like a nomad, like a a vagabond. passing through. Yeah. and, And it's not true. And I'm sure that it's just me in my own head and my own whatever twisted perception. But I always kind of felt renter's shame. And it wasn't anything I'd ever really talk about because I did like aspects of renting and I probably will miss certain (laughs) aspects of renting. But that was kind of always something that I felt. And so before I continue on to the second version of shame, which you already hinted at, did you ever feel that way or was that not really a thing not for you? Not really. I, the, um, hmm, not really. The, so we live in a condo complex. There's like 40 units. And the only time that it ever even really crossed my mind is that there are original owners yeah, and renters. And whenever I met neighbors, and these are probably people that have been here a long time, walking around the complex out at the pool, they would ask, are you an owner? Right. To which I'd say, nope. I'm <laughs> renting that unit down there. I didn't really care. It didn't really bother me, honestly, but it did feel like it meant something to them. Like they, sure. you know, they were on their little pedestal. pedestal. They were judging where I was. Yeah. But it didn't really bother me. And I, yeah, and other than that... um, it's not something that crossed my mind a whole lot, honestly. Okay. Because there's no real, I mean, for me, it's like there's no real pride of, I mean, you want your place to be nice, but I don't really deep down in my gut care. Yeah. You know, if the balcony falls apart or the shower falls apart or there's cracks in the walls or whatever, I notice it and it's like, oh, it's a shame that I'm living with this thing. But really, I don't care about the structure itself. Mm-hmm. So I feel like that's kind of what bleeds into all these other thoughts of like, I'm just passing through this place. Mm-hmm. You know, I won't always be here. Uh, and and I, and I feel like that kind of seeped into this really, really light version of shame. I never, it didn't keep me up at night. It didn't really bother me. But it was just kind of like, part of the thing that defined who I am and what part of who I am is a renter. It's not that it's a bad thing. It's been really good to me. And there's been a lot of aspects of it that I do think I have taken full advantage of up mm-hmm. until now. So we'll be curious to see how many of those things I miss. The other version of shame, and it's so funny that you mentioned this thing today is the Zillow shame. Yeah. Yeah. As soon as you sell, tell someone, they the address, look it up. They look it up and they see exactly what you spent. Yeah. There's nowhere to hide. There is not. It's right out there. First thing that pops up, first 10 things that pop up are what you paid for your home. Yeah. There's no escape. I mean, everybody. I wouldn't want that. my mom to know, but she she's can't. going to. She, she already does. Yeah. How could she not? Yeah. You look it up and that's all you see. It's literally, how is it so public? <laughs> No, it's weird. It is very weird for a country that values ultimate privacy. No, there's That's zero the, privacy. Yeah. With, and yeah. I wonder why. Do you have any idea why that is? So two things. One, why that is. And how do you feel when you when someone see? Do you feel kind of 
Ashamed? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Like a very flamboyant, extravagant, go on. Um, At least the house doesn't look ridiculous. No, it looks nice. It looks nice. Well, but They're I guess very, my, my like point my, is like if you, know, you bought like a McMansion. Yeah. So one. Like it would look pretentious. Like ours yeah. doesn't look pretentious. Yes. But also true. then the flip side of that is people like you paid that. You paid that for that. Totally. Totally. Ugh. But I would rather that than um, look pretentious from the structure itself, I suppose. Yeah. Because they, they understand like both, both of these people that I was talking to today, for example, and a lot of our, I mean, the people in our lives all know what real estate is here. So they understand kind of the baseline, why, <laughs> the baseline and why it is what it is. I would feel worse if we were being judged of spending our life savings on something that just looks ridiculous. Miami Beach-esque yeah. in, you know, Ohio or something. Right. That says more about us than buying in an expensive market, I think. Who knows? I mean, I think all of it says terrible things about us no matter what we... <laughs> but it is what yeah, it is. I we mean, wanted to live here and, and, and uh, what yeah. can we say? Yeah. You know, we can't yeah. apologize for it, yeah. uh, but you can't hide from it. No. I don't know why it is that way, except that it's a matter of public record. I mean, but and it just always has been, but why? I don't know why. Yeah. Who knows? Mm-mm. Yeah, I'm trying to think. Like, if you bought a boat, can someone just look up how much that boat cost? I guess they could just look up. What, yeah. Anyway, that's more of a uniform thing. Houses are pretty unique. Anyway, uh, finally, you know, we're we're gonna we're gonna go to our interview with Steve and Steph, which was really fun, and and it is nice to hear a different voice on the show. As fun as this is, you know, especially in this kind of lull for us when it comes to topics, this interview is going to be fun to listen to. Um, but before we get to that, couple things. One, this is our tenth episode. Oh. So this is our 10 episode anniversary and tomorrow is our <laughs> 10 year anniversary. Woo! Happy 10th on both fronts. I didn't know this was 10. How fitting. Yep. 10 and 10 Aww. and uh, our 10 year anniversary present to each other is a house. Is nothing. Yeah. Is a house. That's right. Is a house. That's right. It's also our birthday presents to each other this year and our Christmas, Christmas presents. presents for years to come. Yeah. Basically, we, we're just not going to do presents anymore. I think that's where we're at. And basically, we're buying each other lights if there's any extra money. <laughs> Recess lights. Mm, of course. Uh, and then one last thing, just to kind of, for your, your favorite element of the show when we talk about movies, <laughs> we finished the Rocky movies, we've moved on to the Lord of the Rings movies. Mm-hmm. And this is how I can tie this in Kay. to our first time Can't at wait. 40. Yep. Because we've both seen these before. However, Peter Jackson, mm-hmm. when Lord of the Rings, The Fellowship of the Ring came out, was 40 years old. No way. Yeah. Wow. That's trippy. Yeah. Man. I, I mean, that was a while ago, but he was like the old dude at that time. What? But like also, it's us. a massive production. Yeah. And and of course, f- there's plenty of accomplished forty year olds in their field. Yeah, but, but now crazy. that I'm forty and I kind of have that forty year old perspective, you know, that someone who's in my shoes right now was m- making such a massive mm-hmm. project because it was three movies mm-hmm. at once, um, is really That's wild, really impressive. Mm-hmm. 
And also, it did age him because when he got that Oscar for the third one, he did not look like he was forty-three or whatever it was. It was like a presidency. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Um, but anyway, the Lord of the Rings totally holds up. Super fun. We're about halfway through, almost exactly halfway through, because we've got about another hour and a half or so of the two towers. We're watching the extended version, so it's twelve hours total. Um, and it, I don't want it to end. You know, I know. What will we do with ourselves? We keep finding these long projects, and they're always really fun when you're in the middle, and then sad when they end. Well, the good news is, in another ten years, you can watch them again, and they're still as good. Yeah, I mean, true. they're just all these characters are so great, and every time you rewatch them, you learn something new, or you're like, "Did I pick up on that little, you know, kernel of information before? Or did I understand how these characters all related to each other before? Or how the the map worked, and how all these different mm-hmm. lands kind of are are a are informing how the story progresses. It's really fun. Is it talked about in the same vein as Star Wars in that way? I'm a lot more familiar with Star Wars and how there is such a storied history and a deep universe and all the linkages and all the little nuggets that people find. Is it, I mean, it's very similar, but I'm less familiar, I guess, with the Lord of the Rings territory. Well, I think there's a couple. But they feel the same in that way, I guess, is what I'm realizing. A couple of big differences. One is that the Star Wars universe, like the real universe, is ever expanding. Okay. You can always invent new things upon it. Um, the Lord of the Rings is a canonical text. You know, it's no J.R.R. Tolkien mm-hmm. wrote it and is done, and nobody else is writing new Lord of the Rings. That, that would be that it, would be sacrilegious. Yeah. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. So it's strictly movies are strictly from pages. The books. The end. Okay. And the marketing of Star Wars lends itself to be so. Um, um, what's the word uh, prevalent in all aspects of society where the Lord of the Rings really just let the movies stand on their own. I'm sure mm-hmm. there's marketing that goes with them, but no, nothing even close to Star Wars. Not like the merch or anything like that. Exactly. But, but Star Wars back in the old days wasn't like that either. Oh, that's no. a, that's, a, that's, not that's a, that's not true. In the seventies? Uh-huh. No. Be, mm, oh, no? well there are lots of toys. Yeah. No, Star Wars okay. was always about the toys. And yeah. the biggest thing Not about that was now, George but. Lucas knew that even before anybody else did. Uh-huh. So that's the only thing he hung on to was the merchandising oh, when I the first movie that. was that's made. Is he signed all the other right? And I'm I might not be getting all this right, but I know that he hung on to those merchandising rights. Uh-huh. And everyone was like, okay, whatever. And but he had a vision, and he was, you know, instant billionaire. Okay, got it. So yeah, mm-hmm. the Star Wars has always been built on merchandising and lord of the rings no not quite so much it was more just movies yeah okay so anyway uh that, i think that's all we're going to talk about for now uh we'll throw to the interview steve and steph are great um it's it's a lot of fun to hear what they have to say and uh and, just set up who they are at all i don't know if we did it yeah go ahead well enough in the interview um all right so, Steve and Steph, we've known a very long time. You, the longest. You and Steve went to college together. Mm-hmm. Became friends your, what, senior year? Yep. Moved out to L.A., drove in a single car together to L.A. from the Midwest. Lived in, in a studio apartment about the same size as that single car. Yep. No belongings. Yeah, and we've been friends ever since. Uh, we are both best man at each other's weddings, and Steve and I stay in touch all the time. But 
at the same time, this was really the first time I'd ever talked to him about the home buying experience. So all of this information that we're about to learn from them is learning it for the first time. So it's pretty cool. Yeah, it was a nice conversation. So if they're listening, I'd like to thank Steve and Steph for joining us. And we'll uh, go ahead and listen in to our first interview at 40. Sounds good. This is uh, our first interview ever. And Steve and Steph have been friends with us for how long have we known each other? Uh, uh, 2001? 2000, 2001? All of a sudden, we have to do well, this. you and I. Yeah. Yeah. Steve and I met uh, right around our senior year of college, maybe junior year of college. And it's been a pretty long, uh, storied friendship uh, for 20 years. And wow. I think, <laughs> you know, wow, that's right. Yeah, we keep coming back to that middle aged <laughs> issue. Oh, <laughs> uh, 20 years. I know. So. On the subject of, of uh, you know, the way we've lived, we've rented. Laura and I have rented. Steve and I rented together. Uh, oh, we, we have. To, <laughs> In very close quarters. As oh, I have we? Yes. Yeah, we <laughs> yes. rented a studio apartment. We rented uh, three, uh, no, I'm sorry, a two-bedroom apartment where you mm-hmm. and I shared a room. Um, right. And then we went our separate ways. And both of us rented, uh, you know, once... You guys got together, you moved to New York, and you rented in New York for how long were you renting there? Uh, probably six years or so. Probably six years. Yes. We were in two, you were in, th- no, we were in two, two different apartments. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, the first one was a studio, yes. and then the second one was a one bedroom apartment. Um, oh, but technically, there was a third. What was the third? When we got kicked out of the second, it was very odd. It was either like a clerical error, and then they had already rented the place out somehow. I have no idea. That might be. But it. anyway, but we anyway. love well, that apartment. Well, I do yeah. think it's interesting because we we've talked a lot about Los Angeles as a very expensive hotbed, whether you're renting or buying or whatever. But you guys went straight from hotbed number one to even hotter bed number two, right in the middle of New York. How was that for a transition? <sighs> I mean, well, so when, yeah, when we live, when we lived in LA and we left LA, we were in a pretty nice, like little townhouse, yeah. two bedroom, two bath. Like it was, uh, it was good. It was like good space for us. And we were happy there. Like we liked it. And then we left and it was back to studio apartments again in the city. Oh yeah. And not only that, but like you're getting rid of all your possessions because you can't Mm -hmm. fit anything or it's going in, you know, parents' basements. Um, And it was getting rid of your cars as well. Yeah. And it was like going in reverse. It was very weird. And so it was like a big, like starting over, but it wasn't that bad of a living in the greatest city in the world. So, well, that's right. So the trade off there is like, you're learning all about living in New York and you're like, Oh Yeah. Why have I ever had a car? I can just take a subway or I can walk to wherever I need to. It's completely, you have to change your whole mindset of like how you live, even managing your time, because there's no commute in terms of like getting in a car and driving anywhere, but you have to plan for like a 15 minute walk. Then you get on the subway and you like, like I had my route down to like timed by the minute where you're like, if I get out of the door by 814, I can make that. 817 mm-hmm. subway that's going to get me to the train, you know, that's going to be at 839 or whatever it was. So it's just, 
a total recalibration. Um, and yeah, I mean, I guess the living. Yeah, it, I, I think it, it took some time for sure. But, but again, once you get used to it, I don't know, we're just, I don't know, humans are adapt. Like, it, it's weird. You just yeah. kind of forget. If you're past. open to like, it, yeah. yeah. If you're open to as... it and you're, you want yeah. to do it, you make it work, right? Like, you make anything work, but for sure, it's not like yeah. we were living, I mean, we're living in New York, so it's not like we were living in nowhere. And yeah. this, it know, wasn't a downgrade. Line. I mean, the, yeah. The, no. It is just... the city that you fall in love with. I mean, the fact that you can just go around the corner and get literally anything you want is, mm-hmm. you know, it, that's what makes it so great. Mm-hmm. Like a bagel. Yeah. New York bagel. <laughs> Eventually, the draw of living in the city had to wear off enough for you guys to decide to buy a home outside of the city, which is where you moved. So I'm curious, over the course of those six years or so, what was going on in your minds as far as home ownership? No, there was... No. there, No, I would still be there if it weren't for the tiny human that forced me to eat dinner every night in my bed. If you can afford to raise kids and stay in the city... Oh my gosh, like amazing. I I just feel jealous of those people because mm-hmm. I just feel like city kids are just such so interesting and like I just have this like fascination <laughs> with like city kids. But it, it's so hard. I mean, we had Pepper. We lived there with with Pepper until she was what, a year and a few months. Mm-hmm. And we would run into people in the elevator and they'd be like, wow, good for you guys. Like, they really thought we were doing it. And we're like, uh, we're actually well, going to leave any minute now. I, I also ran into, <laughs> I ran into a woman who this. was like, oh, yeah, I raised my daughter in this building. And I was like, oh, how old your daughter? And she's like, she's 28 now. And I'm like, wow. you raised a child. I mean, it was a one-bedroom apartment. It's like, you raised a child yeah. for that long in this? It's like, how did you possibly make that happen? But I would think in New York, you know, you'd probably spend a lot less time in the house as people normally would anywhere else when you're raising a kid. You can't just be inside. But with the pandemic happening, how would you make that work? It'd be a nightmare. Oh, oh my God, we, no. We're so lucky that we got out when we did. Yeah. yeah we, we're, we, we are we would say so lucky. Every day we would say, God, could you oh. imagine if we were in the apartment? Because, yeah, we There's wouldn't no have way. anywhere to go. I mean... We would have been living with our parents for a year. There's right. no doubt. There's yeah. no way we could have stayed there. That's probably what would have happened. So before, uh, so before we actually moved out, I mean, we had looked at oh, renting yeah. uh, like two-bedroom apartments and thinking about, well, maybe we can make this work. But we were at a place, too, where it's like financially, the rent in New York is crazy no matter where you are. So... We were just kind of weighing the options of like, man, we really want to stay in the city, yeah. but do we really want to just keep dumping money into an apartment, um, or do we want to at least explore our options? So we just started kind of looking in terms of like, well, let's just see what's out there. You also have to remember, <laughs> we aren't from New York. Oh my god, We don't live, you know, we, we didn't grow up anywhere near here, so we only know New York City and we have no idea what's outside of it other than like I had to travel to Stanford and Connecticut. But like we never went out anywhere. We didn't outside. have a car. So we, we didn't never, have a car. We right. never left. I don't know. Anyway, we get there was a but service that basically funny. literally for yes. people like us 
who are leaving the city, going into the suburbs, and they're like, we will take you to we different will tour you around. areas. Oh my God, like a suburbs so, concierge. Yes, it's called 100% the suburban, suburban jungle. Yes, Stop, I didn't know that existed. It exists. It's, real. it's kind of brilliant, idea. actually. I love this idea, actually. Yeah. And you, they survey you, and they give you recommendations of what neighborhoods would be good for you based on your interests, and like, are you into like, super, are you very, like, you know, culture is important to you? Is diversity? Is I mean, uh, how close to the city do you want to be? Like, where do you work? Like, you know, they 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 map it out. We met with at least three different. We realtors. met with three different ones, and then they took us to like White Plains. Mm-hmm. And then, I and guess then Westchester, just like yeah, Westchester, everything. I mean, right. The when at the time when we were looking, the market was very sparse. I would say there weren't a lot of choices, at least not at our our investment level. You know, mm. you know entry level single family home. You know, basically the cheapest of the houses we could get. <laughs> there were plenty in the upper echelon. You know, which. You know, seems yeah, to I be mean, the case anywhere. No. Yes, like yeah. anywhere. But it, it really but. is like particularly once we narrowed it down because we looked at all the different areas and we landed in New Rochelle, which is where we are, which is also, of course, the famous hot, hot zone. Literally the hot zone. <laughs> hot zone of the pandemic. Yeah. Um, but once we narrowed it down and then if you want to get into the whole like home search, oh. we looked at. Oh, it was terrible. 60 about 60 houses? No, that's not true. Wait. That seems more? high. No, about 60. Seems, no, hey, that is not. Let me, let me, that is high. Let me, let me clarify, though. But six. Is suburban jungle just to find your neighborhood and then you start looking at homes? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. No, yeah. the whole, they get paid oh, because. Snap. Nicholas is going to pass out with that thought. Like that That's like be. a whole other step to the problem. I assume they were showing you homes yeah. in these neighborhoods. They were no, just selling you on no, the no, we, oh, no. area. We literally, no, no, no. We they're, did a tour. The tour oh, is conducted by a local realtor. The whole purpose is that that realtor wants to convince you that their neighborhood's the best. Wow. And then once you say that you like their neighborhood, then you're going to work with them. Right. So it's wow. it's pretty smart. Okay. Because so then they got you. say New Rochelle's the spot, and then you look at 60, maybe 60 homes in New Rochelle. There were a lot of homes. And wow. we... I don't. Yeah. I would be surprised 60. if it was sixty, but I also have a revisionist sort of memory. Yeah, let's but, not forget. But keep it like. Also, by the way, and I don't know if you guys had this experience, but I just feel like um, when you watch HG, HGTV and all these shows, it, yeah. they like glamorize this process, and in reality, you walk into someone's no, like dirty, dungy house, <laughs> yeah. and you're like, you know, within a second if you want to live there. So it's it's similar to actually apartment hunting. I felt because. You know right away. You know the second you walk in if this is even going to be. the Yeah, the market, and I think it's still this way, but the market at the time was the only people moving out yeah. are the people who were moving to the cemetery, basically. Aww. Or, you know, moving into a home. Like, you know, definitely elderly people who honestly haven't updated their homes ever. Right. Yeah. So, like, to, to get, to even have enough for a down payment in the area was, like, all we had. And then... To know we'd have to do a major gut and a renovation, it just wasn't going to happen. Like, how right. would we – we would walk in and just be completely overwhelmed. And then, by the way, not even just financially, but we are not those kind of people. Like, we're 
We're not. We are oh, more my of a, friends. Like, tw- we have been down that road. You know, <laughs> just like, could there be a, like yeah. a, a menu of four options and I'll pick one and just do that? Like, I don't want to. Don't ask me to pick knobs or like I like I, I would lose my mind. So we're just not that. We couldn't yeah. handle it. And plus, I'm not doing any demo. We're working all the time. You know, when would we? When would it happen? It's well, of I, course, so, and like you watch, right? You watch HGTV, and it's just like, yeah, we're just gonna take this wall out, and then they get a sledgehammer, and they're just like, yeah. boom, do it. But like, it's not that easy. If you don't know what you're doing, you're not gonna do that, and you know. No. So I'll, I'll just pay no. somebody whatever, but like, not when you don't have the money, then you can't no. do it. So you need money. that, yeah. So that was the thing we ran into every. And by house. the way, like, and here's the other problem: you are literally giving every dollar that you've ever made, and to the thought of doing that. To buy something that you don't like is so depressing. Tell me You're like, about it. Why? Yeah, this is terrible. I think yeah. I'm not even excited about this house. No. Like, we got terrible. to. I think we got to a point where we were like, I want a sledgehammer just... at that point. Yes. Yeah, right. But okay. here's the funniest thing about all of this, I right? Mean... You do the whole suburban jungle. It's like all these people. You're, all these, you're going to all these different oh, no. locations. You're going to seeing houses. All this stuff. Or, or I got all the all these listings. All this stuff. And when it came down to it, how did we find the house that we're in? <gasps> did you find it yourselves? My mother saw ah! it on Zillow. No way. No way. And she sent and you she a message. sent us the invite. She sent it to us. She said, "This house is having an open, an open house. house. You should check it out." And so we told our realtor, "Hey, this place is having an open Dummies. house. We should check it out." I guess the one thing she did for us was that she, she called the guy ahead, of, ahead yeah. of time and we were able to go in before the open house. So we yes. did, he did let us in before the open house. A day before. The day before. Hmm. Uh, maybe two days, but it was before. We walked into the house and <laughs> after seeing 60, we, we're just going to say 60. Oh my God. After saying, after seeing between, so, we were between so 40 and 60 out. houses, we were like... I remember. We were in upstairs, and I look at Steve, and I was like... No, we were in the... Well, up, you we were went upstairs. outside. We went outside in the backyard, and I was like, we are not leaving this house until we offer this guy so funny. We're like, we are not leaving. We are done with this. Because <laughs> we walked... This, sick of it. Well, so, and so, we told the realtor, we were like, we want to make this guy an offer, make him an offer today. So then, yeah, then we did, then we did say... We want to make an offer. Let's do it right now. And we did it while we were there because he agreed. He called his wife while we were yes. here. Wow. And then he he got off the phone. And he was like, all right, we're going to agree to it because we just offered him the full price. Like we, we, well, didn't do, yeah. we were like, we were, we're over this. We're just going to go. We're going to pay whatever you're asking. We're paying. It. Well, because we were trying to oh, stop well, the open house. Cause once right. the open house started, they were, he was going to get more. We knew what was out there. I'm surprised no he way. caught it off. <laughs> the, well, the reason why was because, uh, I think similar to your situation, the people in this house had to move pretty quickly. They were trying to move too. So they were having to get out of here and they wanted to sell the house as quickly as possible so they could move on the house that they were trying to buy. He did accept it while we were here. We knew that he accepted. Wow. I shook his hand. It was like a wow. very, you know, a gentleman's <laughs> agreement. And then I'm but just then amazed that people shook hands once. That's all. Did you get a you didn't you didn't get one? Oh yeah. Remember when they used to do that? I know. So that's all happened. It's all the the weird. The, the fact oh. that you offered his listing price oh sorry uh and that's where it ended 
is not what's happening anymore. No. At least what? not in Los Angeles. No. It all goes way up. Like the 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 listing price is the quote invitation to bid and then it's an auction. Uh, wow. So oh, wow. everything okay. goes way up and the the realtors kind of have an idea based on the comps of where it's going to go, but people list low, not low, but they list below what they're going to sell it for. So then what you're doing mm. is you're doing a blind auction with all the other people that see it and uh. they just go with the highest bid. And not only once, uh. then they then they counter. Yeah, then they say. ask you for more money. So you need to, your oh. first to, bid needs to be less than what you plan, what you intend to, to go at. to. We we actually did that. I forgot that we did have a house that we bid on, that but they lost. had multiple bidders, same kind of thing. Yeah. But we didn't want to go too far with it because we liked the house, but man, for what they were asking, it just wasn't. Mm-hmm. So we put in a bid, and they were just like, no. <laughs> this person's yeah. offering yeah. way more than you guys. And we're like, all right, what if we send a nice letter? They're like, no, that doesn't work anymore. Yeah. So, The other element of what we talk about is going through this at this point in our lives where mm-hmm. I think a lot of people don't wait until they're 40 years old to buy their first home mm-hmm. in the United States. I feel like people try to do it by, would you say like 30 most of your friends were buying homes, like, say, in Ohio. It depends where you are, though. Of course. Uh, yeah, I, I, maybe 30, I guess. Uh, the, I, I, the, this, first of all, this has nothing to do with us. This is completely the economy and, you know, the job market and inflation. We, this, is, this is normal. I, I, like, I feel like I've heard a lot of, I've heard podcasts. I've, this is not, we're not unusual. This is out of our hands. This is the, the card th- that we have been dealt. Are you telling yourself I, that? Or? Yes, I am. <laughs> it is not because it's just, it's not feasible. It is not feasible to buy a home at this price much younger. I really do feel that way. Not where we live. Not no. where we live. Well, I, I think that's the thing. And that, I guess that's what I'm wondering is, you know, is it because of where we live that we're waiting this long to buy a home yes <laughs> i think or, so. I, mean, but I think what stephanie yeah. stephanie is saying though that even people that are living in smaller markets maybe still aren't like maybe there's still a disconnect yes. between the cost of the homes and income yes correct that's Probably, me yeah. with not a lot of backing but i that is what i i've i've heard it i <laughs> i will quote my favorite NYU professor Scott Galloway has said such words. Did you feel in all those years prior to mm-hmm. home ownership, did you feel like it was an attainable goal? Like, did you feel like it was always something you were going to do? Because to me, it was totally foreign. I never thought no, it was going to no. be a possibility. I think we kind of gave up on the idea. Um, I think, I mean, ever since we kind of, ever since I moved to L.A., and, you know, we were just trying to, like, get by and, and make it and do all this stuff. It was like, first of all, that was never something where it was like, oh, yeah, we're going to, like, do well enough to buy a house in Los Angeles. Like, we're going to overlook the hills. <laughs> like, yeah, you could have those dreams. But that was never, like, an actual thing that you thought about. And so I think just, like, you do that long enough that you don't expect that you're going to be able to buy a house. And when we moved to New York especially I was yeah. not thinking 
oh yeah, one day we're going to get a penthouse here and it'll be overlooking, you know, the, the park and everything. Like, no, I think, I think it was just, we got to a point where it was like, yeah, maybe one day down the line, we would love to have a house, but it, no, it means leaving the city and leaving, you know, the places that we have been living, I guess. I don't know what you, how do you feel? Yeah. Oh, well, yeah, no, I completely agree. I feel like as a coping mechanism, I always told myself, like, I, I played both sides where I was like, okay, if I can't afford a house, here's what I'll tell myself that I don't want to, or like, that I, like <laughs> that it's not, that it doesn't make, like, I don't want to, I don't want to succumb to the pressure of being a homeowner. I'm not going to yeah, be that person. I don't live in the suburbs. No. Lame. Like, I, I could play both sides. So, I mean, for so, us, it was literally just like, we need room. And it just didn't make sense. The math didn't make any sense. To, to move to rent. Again. Yeah, to like keep renting. Because yeah, yeah. once you have a kid in the city, it's not just like the rent. It's like I said before, it's sort of like, you know, keeping up with the Joneses. Like you're, you're falling into the whole universe of being able to keep mm-hmm. up here. So, So your new home came with really... I mean, it, it was a whole change because it was a whole neighborhood change, lifestyle change. So how did that yeah. feel once it was said and done? And how did you transition into that? You know, I, I sort of equated to when we were, in, you know, when we were dating for so long and then finally got engaged. And I was always like, what's the big deal once you get married? Like, what could it? But I, I do feel like that for me, that feeling of um, sort of like security and uh, permanence and sort of like I could just like sort of exhale like I know it's so cheesy like but I could exhale a little bit like it's for me that was the same feeling as buying the house was like oh I can just stop the hustle I can relax like okay here's where I'm gonna be for a while like and it felt so comfortable to like feel like you could rest a little bit (laughs) I mean it did and that's great suddenly like that was the best part about it. And, you know, and it's funny because we lived so close to so many people for all those years in the city and I knew, I knew none of them. I, I didn't know any of my neighbors, even though I was inches away from them. And once you move into a neighborhood, everyone cares to meet you and, you know, you're in it together. And, you know, it's a different feeling when you're like, you're, I could live next to you the rest of my life. Like, it's oh. a whole other ballgame. And people, <laughs> you'll see... Ooh. I can't wait to hear well, people are up in your business. They know when you're having repairs I, on your house. Like everyone's in, you know, but so, it's fun. Yes. Well, yeah, some of it's, it's fun. Some of it's fun. There are moments where it's like, they're like, oh, I saw you had a, a quite a large package there on your front step. What are you guys getting over there? And it's like, you know, my first reaction is like, what's your business? Get out of here. <laughs> I don't say that, but it's a whole thing. Yeah. I mean, it is. It's great to have a place that you can really do whatever you want to you know it's all your responsibility it also is not great at times if something goes wrong you can't just call the same person and go like oh no there's water everywhere you have to find a plumber and you got to pay them ten thousand dollars by the way (laughs) everything costs ten thousand dollars oh no (laughs) doesn't matter what it is doesn't matter what it is, ten thousand dollars. So, right. anytime you want to do something, just know just, that's what it's going to be. Just hand over ten thousand dollars to any whoever. Mm-hmm. That's good advice, and uh, it'll get mm-hmm. done. You know. Yeah, but <laughs> luckily you guys don't have to worry about like you know every time it storms here or like winds are bad. We're just like lying in bed going. 
$10,000. Yep. That tree's going to land right on top of us. $10,000. Everything. It's wonderful. The only thing to be careful is like not to put too much into it. Well, yeah. Because then you're, you know, then you're not going to get as much back. But they're at the beach. Like their value value will never go down. And I think we're the same way. We're in a good position because we're in a good area where this house will, will do fine, you know. No matter the improvements we've done to it. Um, but yeah, you know, obviously we're not going to like add a th- another story to the house or anything. <laughs> we'll just move. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I do think the other thing too is like from a financial perspective, it's like you're saving money your whole life. And like, what are you saving that money for? And you're always yeah. like, I got to save. I got to save. I got to make mm-hmm. sure we have this money. And it's like, well, you're pretty much saving for this thing. Like the house yeah. basically. I mean, we're not yeah. going to buy a boat. Or, you know, <laughs> like, we don't have other things that we're doing. It's like the house is the thing, right? And then after that, what more can we get that's, you know, know. aside from like a, you know, like a, an yeah. arcade machine or something? All right. So j- here's here's the last question I'll pose to you, and then okay. we'll wrap it up. The one thing that you wish you had known before you went into mm-hmm. buying a house, either it's part of the purchase process or ownership process or whatever Mm. what is the one thing that you wish you had known beforehand what i have realized already is that i know no matter what the next time we buy a house we're going to be so much better at buying a house than we were this time that i know because we now know what it means to be in a house we know what we want like we know so much more so i feel like no matter what the next time is going to be It'll either be that much easier or harder because we'll we'll be really specific and we'll we'll see mm-hmm. the watchouts basically without a doubt like we're gonna be better and smarter and you know I will also say like I was not here for the inspector but that I just next time I want to be here for the inspector and I want to like ride his ass basically it doesn't like matter. it doesn't matter I don't try like you know you're always questioning the safety like there's just things that you don't know so. Yeah, I, I guess think that's all wrapped up in like next time we'll be smarter, and you just hope for now, like knock on wood, all is okay, and it is. But it'll in the meantime, it's all ten thousand dollars. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think though one of the things I did learn uh, coming out of this was like or coming into this was that we have to be more specific in terms of certain things in the house. For instance. When oh, the yeah. previous homeowners left, when we, when we got here and we looked at the house, they had like the Nest thermostat and they had a fridge in the uh, basement and they had these things that like, when we saw it, we assumed this was part of the house. Well, when we moved in, hey, that Nest oh, no. thermostat is gone. Yeah, it wasn't right. a huge thing, but it was like little things that we felt like. We don't have to specify this, do we? That's a great point. Do not assume that anything in the house is going to be there. Like, if you <laughs> fall in love with a light fixture, write it down. Yeah. Put it in the contract. They like, did make specify, sure you right. put it all down. Because they did specify. The one thing they specified was, like, a specific light fixture that they wanted to take. And we, and were we like, didn't even okay, notice it. We are like, sure, yeah, that's fine. But because they specified that and nothing else. It may seem yeah. little in hindsight with up. all the... It absolutely adds up. I think yeah. our realtor, too, was like one of those people who um, had a different job and then was like, maybe I want to be a realtor. <laughs> and that's what Suburban Jungle gets you. And we may have been her first sale. Yeah, for sure. It's possible. Oh, wow. 
So, so the well, realtor is really important. Again, viewers at home, if you are listening, find a good realtor. All right. Was this good? Well, was this? Was this? Uh, did we do okay? I don't know. Was... Steve, you were fine, but Stephanie, you said some really, <laughs> <laughs> really pro- yeah. profound things over the course of this conversation. Um, all of this time, I always felt like the freedom was in renting and knowing that I could always just move whenever I want. But I think mm. that there is going to be a sense of relief, like you talked about, and that is something that I really wasn't expecting. And mm-hmm. then also the fact that us doing this in our 40s maybe isn't all that weird. Uh, to me, I always felt like I was behind the eight ball, but maybe it just is the way things are now. Um, so shouldn't feel ashamed. You guys or, should feel great. Yeah. No, yeah, are you no. kidding me? You guys should feel so proud. Are you Like, enjoy this moment yeah. because, you know... It, it is a moment in time and you should yeah. really feel proud. And I know it's scary and crazy, but be proud of what you've accomplished. This is insane. We're going to have Stephanie on all the time. <laughs> <laughs> and and, I was, and Steve. And Steve. I was joking. No, it's it's fun. It's fun. I got other podcasts to do. <laughs> I really do appreciate you both. Um, I really do appreciate you both. And I thank you for, um, for taking the time to, to tell us your story and, and give us advice. And, and this is, um, this is something that we sign off with every show. It's very clever. Um, the, uh, the bass beat oh, will probably like come in right about now. And that's when we say, <laughs> this is our first time. We'll see you next time. First time in 40.